Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi. It's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. We get to consult people around the world via webcam. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, and the newest book is called Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about our clinical work, the telehealth center we have, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open and lots of free resources there for you as well. You could check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. Listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books. Whenever you listen to this episode, no matter when you listen to it, every single month, my team and I will be randomly picking winners. All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you can take a screenshot of that Apple Podcast review message me on Instagram with that Apple podcast review screenshot. And every single month, my team and I will be going through the messages on Instagram, as well as the Apple podcast reviews and randomly picking winners every single month. And then I'll reach out to you. I'll ask which book you want me to sign and we'll send it out to you. All right, good luck. About every single month, we have entire episodes devoted to a clinical granular deep dive. A, a super nerd as far as wellness and nutrition and, and functional medicine is concerned, this is the mental health is physical health, the latest edition. And we, we pick specific topics that we see clinically with telehealth patients. And we get, we really a deep dive on that specific topic. The caveat for these episodes is that there's a lot of variables to consider. So go back and listen to all the other mental health is physical health episodes to start to build upon your health and nutrition 
and the diagnostic education as far as our perspective on specific uh, cases, because these health issues don't happen in a vacuum. The body's interconnected, so you really can't fully isolate it. With that said, I wanna show you a functional medicine perspective on specific things. We get asked questions a lot. What's a functional medicine approach to whatever the case may be? You know, it could be constipation. That was one of the last ones we did. It could be fatigue, it could be anxiety, whatever. Uh, we've covered a lot in these episodes. We call it these episodes mental health is physical health because it's a major part of our work clinically. How mental health is not separate from physical health, it is one in the same. So to really show how we work with telehealth patients, I wanna show you how this bi-directional relationship between mental health and physical health plays out in specific symptoms or cases or diagnoses. So to help me do this every single month on the physical health side, we have the functional, the lead functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner here at the telehealth center, Miss Andrea. I feel like the way that you talk about me, I should have like one of those applause audiences in the back that's like, wow. Yeah, yay. we don't have that but applause I track. But I feel like we should. So. Sorry. Well, Marshall, producer Marshall. For Christmas, Marshall, can you <laughs> do that for me? For the holidays, please. <laughs> Get it. We can do add that in post. And then on the emotional side, we have the lead emotional wellness coach at the telehealth clinic, Candice. What's up? Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. And the three of us are going to geek out now. But what's today's topic, Andrea? All right. Well, today we are talking about every patient's favorite subject, parasites. Parasites. Yes. Applause button. <laughs> Applause button, Marshall. Cue the in post. <laughs> Uh, it's not a applause for anybody going through this, no. right? But well, I mean, parasites it, are normal. Well, let's get into that. Okay. I just mean anybody that's having symptoms okay. from the parasitic infection. It's no laughing matter. No, but people, it's quite the trend on TikTok. Yes, it is. It is quite the trend on all social media platforms of all these parasite cleanses. Go back. We actually covered some of these topics in an Ask Me Anything episode. So go back and listen to that episode as well. It's a few episodes back in an Ask Me Anything episode about parasite cleanses, like the the TikTok social media trend of it. Mm -hmm. But today we're going to get very granular, independent of what social media has to say about it. Like what's our clinical approach with telehealth patients? So first of all, parasites, let me just define this. Are you okay if I define this first? Go right ahead and define the parasites. Okay. So there are three main groups of parasites that we can quantify on, well, two that we quantify in labs. One, I just want to define it as part of the categorization scientifically as a parasite. There are protozoans, which is what we see more often clinically. Yes. People think of parasites, they automatically go to helminths, which are the worms. But protozoans are probably the most common ones that we see. Honestly, Babesia, tick-borne and insect-borne co-infections like Babesia that go with chronic Lyme disease, we see probably the most as far as symptomatic protozoan parasites that cause symptoms in people. And it can, we'll talk about things that can cause in a second if, yes. if you want to ask me that. But the other uh, group is helminths that I mentioned, which is the... I think it's Greek word, probably Greek, Greek origin. 
that means worms. Uh, or, and uh, these are worm parasites, like the round worms and the pinworms and the tapeworms and the flukes and these type of things. That's what people typically think of, which people can have that as well, certainly. A lot of people can. And it's estimated that about half of the world's population can be infected by at least one of these roundworms, hookworms, or whipworms. Yes. And then there's things that you don't think of parasites, which isn't what today's conversation is really about, but those are ectoparasites. These are things that are basically blood-sucking insects, things like lice, bed bugs, mosquitoes, fleas. They don't live in us. They just bite us and leave. But even like ticks yes. technically are, and they can push these bacteria and parasites like Babesia in our body. So an ectoparasite can give us a protozoan type parasite. So those, that's a defi definition of it. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was one of the things that we wanted to talk about. What are the types of parasites that we see and what are the most common? And you mentioned some of them. I didn't um, know you were going to ask these questions. No, so you didn't. Thank you. So what uh, the most common, like you mentioned, are things that we see as, as far as the protozoan are definitely more common. I think everybody wants to know, well, how do I find out if I have these things, if I suspect them? You're talking about these three different kinds. What type of testing do we do for this? Well, great question, Andrea. <laughs> oh, I, I just love the, I don't, we don't get to, the tables are not normally turned like this. No, I get, just to, like, I get to, this I always ask the you. questions in the podcast and this is weird for me, but <laughs> the, um, all right. So what testing? Conventionally, typically, they would do a stool test most often times, and we do stool tests as well clinically for telehealth patients. That's basically you're pooping in what looks like a fry dish, but you don't put french fries in these. You put your own fecal matter in, and we send it into the lab. And we run these labs for people around the world, not just the stool test, which looks at not only parasitic issues, the protozoans and the helminthic issues, uh, overgrowths, but also bacterial overgrowths, dysbioses, yeast and fungal overgrowths. Go back and listen to past mental health as physical health episodes for deep dives on those topics. But not only stool tests. Stool tests, like any test, are snapshots in time. We're looking at that one stool sample. So technically speaking, more snapshots, like a multiple day collection can catch things that you don't catch in one stool sample. Another consideration to improve results as far as things that we can catch on that snapshot in time could be, I'm not saying this has to be done every time, but consideration for people that have problems, especially if they're more constipated or they aren't clearing these things out appropriately would be a biofilm disruptor. Uh, there are different herbal, plant-based, gentle biofilm disruptors like serapeptase that can, in theory, help with increasing the odds of us catching something. Not that it's a perfect science. It certainly isn't. But that can be a consideration. But regardless, I don't want to hang my hat on just the stool test. I want to put the greater lab, I want to put multiple labs into perspective from their vantage point, what's going on. And to do that, I love blood tests that measure antibodies to the most common types of overgrowths. There's one, it's a multiple pathogen array. It's a blood test that measures antibodies to the most common ones, not all of them, but the most likely the low hanging parasitic fruits, if you will, but ent Entamoeba histolytica, Giardia lamblia, Acryptosporidium, uh, Blastocyst hominis. These are really 
relatively common parasitic issues. An oats test, an organic acid test can also yes. measure organic acids against common parasitic issues as well. And then I would say next would be a blood test for if, if it's clinically appropriate, running tick-borne comprehensive yeah. Lyme literate panels to measure Babesia and these tick-borne uh, co-infections that can be parasitic. And then last, I would say conventional blood tests that kind of looks at the immune system, like looking at white blood cell count, looking at eosinophils and basophils and monocytes and uh, those sort of CBC panels, as well as like things like TGF-beta-1 and C4A and C3A. Yes, all of those ones I just mentioned are nonspecific just because they're off certainly does not mean it's for sure a parasitic issue, but it is another layer of data that we can put these other tests in context. So you don't, they're all different snapshots in time. You're not always going to catch all the things all at once, but you have to be thorough with yes. this stuff. And you always want to put it in context with how the person's feeling. So I think the big point here is sometimes you can measure something like the blastus hominis, this protozoan that we do see from time to time. I mean, more often than from time yes. to time. It's pretty common Every amongst month. our patient base. They're not always symptomatic. They don't have the overt acute gastrointestinal symptoms that you expect with these protozoan issues. So it's always in my mind to not see these as the boogeyman. They're, they're not always like the villain where in the Western mind, they think we, ought, we automatically go to an acute parasitic infection or acute bacterial. No, these are chronic low-grade overgrowths that I want to put those in con those labs in context with how that person's feeling and what their immune system's even doing with these things. Are they living in harmony with that person's microbiome and their immune system, or is it causing dysregulation? And that's when you can look at these different HLA, human leukocyte antigen variables, the genetic side of it, that that's a part of it, I think. Uh, not just, I think, we know that from research that them, some people are just genetically more sensitive to these biotoxins, these different bacterial, parasitic, viral, mold toxin issues, where it's the interplay between genetics and epigenetics, or another way of putting it is the bioterrain. Like what's the larger terrain and what's the how could these things overgrow in the first place? Sometimes it's the, it's the larger issues between the gut-brain axis and the vagus nerve the decreased migrating motor complex, their immune system dysregulated, that's allowing these things that any of us, any one of us can pick up from food or water or whatever, but that person's biochemistry, their bioterrain is a hospitable environment for these overgrowths, these low-grade chronic parasitic protozoan overgrowths. Something that I have every single day is Element, spelled L-M-N-T. All of my telehealth patients that listen to the podcast, they know that I talk a lot about electrolytes and the science around electrolytes and this specific science-backed electrolyte ratio that we've been using clinically with telehealth patients for a long time. And it's 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium that is elements ratio that works really well. Electrolytes are responsible for hundreds of different functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormone regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance in the body. So when I have patients that are struggling with certain things and just something as simple 
as optimizing electrolyte balance with Element, it can prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, trouble sleeping, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiencies. Element is used by everyone from NBA, NFL, NHL players, Olympic athletes, Navy SEALs, to everyday moms and dads and exercise enthusiasts. I personally use Element when I'm working out. I'll use it when I'm using my infrared sauna. I have it when I'm consulting patients and between consulting patients. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving size packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend, which, you know, we all have one of those, right? <laughs> Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Will Cole. This deal is only available through this link. So you have to go to drinklmnt.com slash Will Cole. Hopefully most of you know, and even more will learn <laughs> as I'm saying this right now, that if there is a sponsor on this podcast, it's because I use it personally. I recommend it to telehealth patients. My team loves it at the telehealth center or all three of those. And AG1 is definitely in all three of those sort of thing because I use it, my team loves it, and I love it for our telehealth patients. AG1 is a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health, through a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients, AG1 delivers comprehensive support for your brain, for your gut, for your immune system. It supports longevity, supports energy levels. Think of it like this. It is all-in-one, a multivitamin, multimineral, a green superfood, a probiotic, adaptogen blend, all-in-one. In one scoop, you're getting all of these nutrients. Since 2010, they've improved their formula 52 times in the pursuit of making the best foundational nutrition supplement possible through high quality ingredients and rigorous standards. And with just one scoop, you can get the nutrients and gut health support that helps your whole body thrive and cover your nutritional bases. I also love that AG1 is delivered monthly. I love their travel packs. When I'm traveling, I put them in my carry-on. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D. It's a vitamin D3 K2 blend from AG1. And they're also going to give you five free AG1 travel packs that I love so much with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash Will Cole. That's D-R-I-N-K-A-G, the number one, dot com slash Will Cole. DrinkAG1.com slash Will Cole. Check it out. A Dear Media original podcast. Her name is Coco. For a while, it seemed like Coco Berthman was everywhere. There was this girl from Germany who had been trafficked in a most horrible way. But in early 2022, it all fell apart and people started questioning everything Coco had ever said. Is her name even fucking Coco? We don't even know that. I'm Sarah Gannam, host of Believable, the Coco Berthman story, a new investigative series from Dear Media. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. I think that there's two things that you met. One thing you mentioned that I think is worth touching on for the biofilm factor, because again, if people want to get the most out of these tests, because you're right, everything is just a snapshot in time. You mentioned the biofilm disruptors. 
One of the weirder things that patients have been successful with, though, is collecting around the moon cycle. Do you want to speak to why that can be important and what can help with the reason behind that? Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. So for two reasons, both from a diagnostic collection standpoint and catching things, that's a great point. Thanks for bringing it up. And also from a treatment protocol yes, exactly. standpoint. Because it's kind of sounds a little bit witchy, sounds a little bit woo-woo, but that it has to do with our immune system. It has to do with how our immune system's living in relationship with these foreigners, these, these protozoans, these parasites, these helminths or whatever they are, that they're more active around the full moon. Yes. So it's some people, some researchers postulate that it has to do with serotonin and melatonin and they're more attracted or active around serotonin production. We are, have our own circadian rhythm, right? The way that hormones are fluctuating throughout the month. And we know that people that have menstrual cycles can have, they can be in tune with the moon cycle as well. So all of that's connected. We're part of nature, no matter what mechanism you're looking at serotonin, melatonin, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone levels, the way the inflammation levels is expressed because of these hormonal neurotransmitter fluctuations, the bodies, we are inextricably linked to nature. Yes. Uh, and as the world is, you know, predominantly water, just look at the ocean and what the moon can do to the tides of the ocean. We are constantly being influenced by these external I'd say cosmic, but it makes me sound weird. <laughs> no, but these it's true. planetary pools that impact our biochemistry. Uh, and those little worms, those little protozoans, whatever they are, are being influenced by this. So in theory, to Andrea's point, if you're testing your poop or stool test around the full moon, you are increasing the likelihood that these things can be cut. Normally, when you're talking to a patient, you can sound a little crazy, which is normally why I say before I say this. I want to just tell you why I'm telling you this. On the full moon, collect your poop. <laughs> when the moon preaches the, the annex of the, the pine tree. No, it's okay. All right. So now poop that we <laughs> just poop in it, just collect it and don't be freaked out and don't let it, don't let Dr. Cole ruin fries for you with the fry dish analogy. Um, but, but also I would say when we get to treatment protocols, being, we can talk about, okay, we'll get to that too. later. Yes, we'll we'll yeah. talk about the things you're going to do, but we've now talked about how we would test and the type of parasites. Why would someone want to test? What are some symptoms? What are some, what's some research surrounding this? What would encourage us as a clinic to say, Hey, you know what? We should look to see if there are parasites present. Well, because the gut's such a massive influencer of so many things, it's 75% of the immune system. It's part of that larger gut-centric driver of inflammation level. So when people talk about gut health, the importance of that, well, what's dysregulating that gastrointestinal system? What's dysregulating and impacting that microbiome health to cause that chronic inflammation in the first place? So if inflammation is the commonality, what's causing the inflammation in the first place. On the physiological, we'll get to the psychological side in a moment with Candace, but the physiological side, parasites are one component, one differential possibility of what's causing that. So really in short, we can get into the granular data. It, it can cause any inflammation. You look at the gut skin axis. There's a lot of skin issues that can be connected to parasitic, parasitic issues. These mental health is physical health as specifically mental health there's quite a bit of data looking at anxiety specifically and parasitic issues. So there's one, I'm going to pull it up here. It was in Cambridge University. 
and I'm going to pull it up. I wanted to read it to you guys because I was doing this in preparation of the study. Uh, it, this was a systemic review published only in 2022, so fairly recently. It was the impact of parasitic infections on mental health and illness in humans. And they looked at 26 reviewed papers. The prevalence of mental illness was significantly higher in people with parasitic infections compared to those without infections, 58.2% versus 48, 41.8%. An overall odds ratio found that the association of having mental illness when testing positive for parasitic infection was four times that of people without infection. That's just one systemic review. Looking at even things like uh, schizophrenia, as well as yes. fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome, many autoimmune issues, at this dysregulation of these TH17, TH1 pathways, these pro-inflammatory cytokine pathways, the immune system has lost recognition of self. There's dysregulation of the immune system. So you, you can look at the gut-brain axis, the gut-skin axis, the gut-brain hormonal axis, even like downstream hormonal mm -hmm. problems caused by an upstream gut-centric components to dysregulation of that neuroaminoendocrine axis. So those are some symptoms. I know that's far reaching and I certainly am not insinuating that every person with these issues has a parasite. As I said, like this is one possibility. You wanna find out what's causing inflammation in your case, which is going to be different from person to person. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something to keep in mind is anytime that we talk about these symptoms, I really, and even the, when you mentioned the word parasite, people tend to emotionally shut down. Like they, they truly, I mean, you say parasite and they're like, that's my, that's my issue. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a piece of your puzzle. It can be absolutely. Especially if there's a overabundance of these mm -hmm. things, they're living their best life in your gut. That's obviously not going to be helpful towards your goals, but there can be other th contributing factors. So don't get so hung up on if I do this parasite cleanse, you know, I'm, I'm going to cure myself of my anxiety. Well, obviously we want to see that help, but these are relatively common. Like the statistics say over half, you said 50% of the world population has some form of parasitic and that's taking into consideration the developing world, which I think a yes. lot of these things, which I guess well, I, I, you're going to ask me, you're going to ask me about how menthic I am going to ask oh, you about how menthic therapy. I'm glad therapy. this is going to come up. So Die. this is not planned. <laughs> they, before we start recording, they're always like, you want to know the questions? No, I don't want to know the questions. Just let's just riff. Well, I just want to just tell you, just this isn't just third world countries. There it was a study done that talks about a particular type of parasites that are common in cat feces, which we all... I mean, we have their. I mean, who doesn't cats, have cat feces? Cat, yeah. cat, cat feces, whatever. But it's some. Uh, apparently, we all can get this because it's t saying as a whole within the U.S. and then with the U.K. population. U.K. population says that ten to twenty percent of them can carry this particular parasite, and twenty-two percent of the U.S. population is estimated to carry this parasite from right. cat feces. Yeah, you're right. So I think that's a good point. It's not just. I think that's why when I say like a huge number is taken into consideration, the whole world. But it's still that's significantly a, that's a higher. Yeah, it's a quarter even of the industrialized world where you think, oh, if it's just when you go to the jungles of so-and-so that it is a parasite then. It's some weird tropical thing. No, it's just things that we can get anywhere and everywhere. Absolutely. And because of that, we can talk about the different treatments because I know you want to talk about the weird ones, but let's just talk about the general weird ones. ones. For, yeah. The, I don't know how weird I'm going to get. You are, you're, you'll, you'll get weird. <laughs> but as far as, let's just talk uh, for a moment, food. Is there anything in particular that you would tell a patient that if they had parasites, here's some things to focus on? Well, look, 
there's caveats to everything I'm about to say. <laughs> but I would say specifically medicinally, like food as medicine, onions and garlic would be one. They have great compounds for antiparasitic, antimicrobial, sort of microbiome balancing. Now, those foods in their whole food form are higher in FODMAPs, which some people that have parasitic issues also have SIBO and bacterial overgrowth. So you can get them in the, like allicin, which is a compound from garlic without the fermentable sugars. But if you tolerate onions and garlic, certainly those can be a medicinal food. Cooking with things like oregano or oregano, if you're English, ginger, both uh, are great with supporting uh, microbial health. Apple cider vinegar can help with the pH of the gut, mixing it with water. But a lot of people that have these bacterial parasitic and yeast and fungal overgrowths have hypochlorhydria, like a, even a functional lower hydrochloric acid than we want, which allows a hospitable environment for these overgrowths. Obviously, like focusing on whole foods, nutrient-dense foods, because these parasites can cause nutrient deficiencies, yes. which can further impair the immune system, creating the big vicious cycle of nutrient deficiencies, poor absorption, poor, uh, like your body's not getting the raw materials and nutrients it needs to have a proper brain function and hormonal function and Im immune function, et cetera. And one that I wanted to, to point out here was the utilization of pumpkin seeds which not everybody tolerates pumpkin seeds. So I don't, if you have a problem with nuts and seeds, just you can bleep me out here. But if you tolerate <laughs> pumpkin seed or even pumpkin seed oil, these triterpenes, these compounds, these tetracyclic type triterpenes, which are protective compounds like plant compounds in pumpkin seeds and pumpkin seeds oils, they can actually support the paralyzation of worms and other types of parasites making it difficult for them to survive in the intestinal walls. So even like eating, sprinkling in pumpkin seeds throughout your day can be a easy, accessible food as medicine tool uh, to support fighting off parasites as well. That's food specifically. Now herbs technically are foods, which we can get into those therapeutically. That's a, that would, what would be your suggestion for someone who's like, oh my gosh, Dr. Cole, I need to do a parasite cleanse. I need I, that you mentioned parasites and now my brain is traumatized and I need to get these out. Are there specific supplements that you think are very supportive in these cases? Well, I would say test first, right? So that way yes. we're not just randomly bringing in a protocol. Like it's one thing to bring pumpkin seeds in because like if your pumpkin seeds are just a food or onions and garlic, it's not a big deal. But if you're therapeutically, I would wanna see a pre and post. Like get a baseline lab and compare and contrast if what you're doing is even working. Obviously correlating it with your symptoms and how you're feeling, which we would assume if you're if you're addressing the correct thing or the appropriate like needle mover, you will be feeling better with these interventions. But black walnut uh, has been used. It's very effective for, it's a herbal compound. Wormwood, hence its name, also has parasitic, anti-parasitic properties. Oregano, uh, grapefruit seed extract, clove oil. I love these compounds that have different blends from South America. Like this one called Cumanda we use clinically that is this combination of different plant compounds from South America. Tangerana is Banderol. another one. Banderol. Tangerana specifically is an extract from Palo Santo. You know, everybody, we do the smudging and people like the smell of Palo Santo. Well, it's a medicinal indigenous 
plant from South America and has antimicrobial benefits. So this Palo Santo extract in Tangrana is, is one of the tools that we use. And Enola is another one that yes. we use. And we rotate these different indigenous antiparasitic, antimicrobial protocols paired with microbial things like spore-based probiotics, postbiotics, herbs to calm the gut lining. So it's a synergistic effect. I don't hang my hat on one herb, but it's really a multifactorial approach. But those are some things that and we And what take. do you think about binders? I mean, that's normally something that we want to accompany. We're shaking things up. We want to help the body Yeah, we shake things out. up. Exactly. So like an activated charcoal, diatomaceous earth, yep. which we up in certain protocols, we will up the binding activity around the full moon as well. Which is, we're back to that again. We're back to that <laughs> weird thing. We don't say that often in public. No. But, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's for all the public. Dear. Yeah, but we get everybody better. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, any, any patient that's listening to this, like, yeah, mm -hmm. full, like, yeah, the full moon conversation. Uh -huh. Definitely. <laughs> okay. When did you collect this? Let me look up the calendar real quick. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And that's not necessarily true for all parasites, by the yes. way. This is like, we're making broad statements. We have to know the context of that yep. specific person's labs. But yeah, a modified citrus pectin we use clinically too, which can help us act as a binder. The psyllium husk can act as a mild binder too. So those some, are some of these are super simple, even for people who are pregnant. I mean, parasites are known to be more problematic in the women who are pregnant. And with some of these things that we mentioned are very easily used and incorporated from food to even yeah, the husk, mod the modified citrus pectin. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Have you heard about ClearStem? They are a game-changing anti-aging, anti-acne, non-toxic skincare line all at once. If you haven't heard my conversation and the episode with Danielle and Kaylee from ClearStem, you have to check this out. It will blow your mind the common myths around skincare. It is a must listen. They've been on the podcast actually twice. So go back and listen to this episode from the founders of ClearStem, Danielle and Kaylee. Anyways, I'm a super fan of ClearStem. They're a revolutionary skincare brand that is, like I said, anti-aging, anti-acne, and with zero hormone disruptors or toxins. The brand was founded by these brilliant women, Danielle and Kaylee. The co-founders met when Kaylee was suffering from severe cystic acne, searching for answers, and found the San Diego Acne Clinic. After doing their due diligence and finding that existing products contain poor clogging ingredients, and that's part of the conversation that we have on the episode, these natural things that are marketed to us that are actually shockingly very poor clogging and will mess up your skin, or toxic chemicals that are in a lot of skincare products that disrupt our hormones and mess up our skin. They decided that their clients and the world deserve better. There are zero poor clogging ingredients and zero toxins in ClearStem's products. They combine all three categories of skincare, anti-aging meets anti-acne meets clean beauty. It's designed to clear acne and stimulate collagen. So every single formula is equally anti-aging and anti-acne at the same time. It's based on eight years of clinical work at the San Diego Acne Clinic. And they have, what I also love about ClearStem is that they support skin health from the outside in as well as the inside out. They have their game-changing hormone acne supplement called Mind Body Skin. It is a great natural alternative to Accutane. So you get everything you need for your skincare from the inside out and the outside in. 
Go to clearstemskincare.com. Use code WILLCOLE for 15% off your order. That's clearstemskincare.com. Use code WILLCOLE, all one word, for 15% off. People ask me all the time at the clinic here, as far as new telehealth patients, when we're building protocols, of course, but also people on social media that listen to the podcast, they ask me for natural ways to support nausea. They're dealing with nausea either from migraines or some hormonal imbalance, digestive issues, or if they're pregnant, whatever the reason, a game-changing tool that's not a supplement, it's not a big medication, it is a completely natural tool it's called Relief Band. This podcast is sponsored by Relief Band because I freaking love this. I always want to give the best advice for people when it comes to their health. When it comes to nausea, you have to check out Relief Band. It's the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Their technology allows you to tap into your body's nervous system, supporting that resting, digesting, anti-anxiety, supporting pathway, supporting the vagus nerve. Relief band stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. It blocks the signal your brain is sending your stomach, telling you you're sick. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and zero side effects. It's using your body's own nervous system. It's that simple. Relief Band both treats and prevents nausea so you can help avoid nausea from becoming a problem in the first place. They've got an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and over 100,000 satisfied customers, so they're a brand you can really trust. So if you want to tap into your body's natural healing system to actually relieve your nausea quickly and effectively, check out Relief Brand. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for the Art of Being Well listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code WILLCOLE, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use promo code WILLCOLE for 20% off plus free shipping. That's reliefband.com. Use promo code WILLCOLE. Now we can broach the subject of beyond food, beyond herbs, there is therapy where you're using helminths in and of themselves, yes. which we have done ourselves. Yeah, we've monitored people that are doing this on their own. So this is how far reaching we can get. The people choose for themselves, hey, I want to explore and learn about helminthic therapy. There's a growing amount of research over the past 10 plus years that like we've been in this space for 13 plus years in telehealth where more and more research are looking at helminthic therapy in relationship to different autoimmune issues. So rheumatoid arthritis, I know of studies, type 1 diabetes to stabilize certain inflammatory processes, not to reverse their type 1 diabetes, but to help with any inflammatory problem around it. MS, growing amount of studies there. Ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, different inflammatory bowel issues. I believe those are the main ones that come to mind. But the, yes, it's giving yourself on your own with the guidance of some sort of coach or like this is like not really FDA approved, but it is one that people are exploring and certainly researchers are looking at it in the research space, similar yes. to psychedelics, where it's like psychedelics aren't widely available as far as legalities. And I know it's 
this changing rapidly, but similar to these, similar to fecal microbiota transplant, yes. like a poop microbiome transplant, this is similar to that in psychedelics. People are kind of ad hoc doing it on doing it themselves, uh, which I wouldn't recommend. I, I think that you should doing it in a research setting or with someone that's trained to guide yes. you for you to do it on your own. And this, when you're dealing with really severe autoimmune issues like we've dealt with for 13 years, this is a bridge that some people choose for themselves to cross. Yes. And we're coordinating with other medical specialists that are local. So not doing it uh, completely independently. But it, the theory is to, it's the, basically the old friends hypothesis, if you're familiar with that. It's that we co-evolved with these parasites and bacteria and yeast, and we've decimated this, this symbiotic relationship between us and the microbiome, which things like these parasites humans would have had. And that's why the old friends hypothesis is really looking at why is autoimmunity so common in the industrialized world, yet not nearly as common in the developing world. Like we've swung the direction from like sanitation into hypersanitation, and we've triggered these genetic predispositions that have been lying dormant for 10,000 years, but are being triggered because of, in part, the decimation of the microbiome, which is intimately connected to the soil microbiome, which is a whole other complete topic. But we are disrupting and disturbing this regulation. So people are seeing game-changing results with helminthic therapy, which is giving yourself parasites to regulate the inflammatory process, to regulate the gut-brain axis, to lower inflammation levels and improve gut health. So these are typically non-human parasites. They're normally pig. They're normally pig parasites that can't live to full maturity in in adults, in humans. Uh, so they get, they're like teenager worms is how I think of it. <laughs> and then you have to keep taking them. Yes. So you, because they don't live long in humans, they can't come, become an infestation in humans, theoretically. Yes. But they, so you have to keep taking them, but it modulates the inflammatory cascades when done consistently over time. This is used controversially maybe to some people in the autism community as well. A lot of gut-brain axis uh, researchers are really looking at the MS autism autoimmune sp space. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's something we've seen patients do and have monitored their cases throughout the last 10 plus years of, of utilizing those. And essentially, they're accomplishing what they want to do. Yeah, it's a tool within the toolbox. I don't think that we would ever say that this is the magic bullet, but it's no. it is certainly it can be a, a significant piece of the puzzle for them. For especially for people that have tried, it's like this isn't their first rodeo. This yeah. isn't like stop eating McDonald's, swallow some worms. This is this is a down the line of like okay, I've tried everything and I'm stuck. And that's and, similar to the fecal my, microbiota therapy, like the yeah. fecal transplant, which you also wouldn't do without testing either. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Dr. Cole, is there anything else that you can think of therapy-wise that we recommend for patients beyond food, beyond supplements, beyond binders, beyond helminthic therapy, anything that you would impart your knowledge on our population of people who like to listen to us? I would say one thing is that we we get a lot of poop pictures in the email from- This is very true. Prospective patients or new patients. One thing I want to say is We've seen over the years, people think things are parasites, but oftentimes, I'm not saying it can't be for some people, and I'm not delegitimizing them or medically gaslighting them. I'm just saying sometimes 
it is something, but not what you think it is. Exactly. Sometimes it's mucus. I see mucus way, 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 way more than I see parasites. So people will have an inflammatory response, high secretory IgA, mucosal production in their gut because of some autoimmune issue. Mucus strands are coming out in their stool and they take a picture of it and they say, look, I see these parasites, but it's really mucus. So it could be both and it doesn't have to be either or. I was just going to say, most of the time, the parasites that we're dealing with can be on a microscopic level. Yeah, most, yeah, you're right. Most of the, the ones that are causing problems, at least in our patient base, are microscopic. You're not seeing the full worms. You're not seeing like a tapeworm. Come yeah. Out. But our yeah. cameras on our phones have gotten really good. Are you really sure about that? <laughs> That's true. Zoom Posi in. I'm positive, Candace. I have seen <laughs> enough poop pictures to know when I'm looking at some mucus. I'm talking to the authority. I know that. <laughs> All right. So that's all I've got people, but I, look, this is how the gut health impacts your gut brain axis, your gut immune axis. Just as important is the mental emotional impact on these systems in the body. So Candace, our emotional wellness coach at the clinic here, what are your thoughts on this stuff? I have a lot of thoughts, but is Andrea going to interview me too? I can absolutely. Candace, <laughs> take us away. Thank you. So, you know, you were t you're talking a lot about the bioterrain, which I think is interesting too. And I, I don't know if there's a phrase that is, is similar for the nervous system or like your neuroterrain, right? It's all part of your bioterrain. Mm -hmm. But since I like to play with words and make things up, you know, sometimes put them together in new ways, nervous system terrain, you know, how do we get like to this point? Where do things start? And really, you know, it starts at birth and we're recognizing that our environment is a key factor here too. When I'm talking, I'm going to talk about my two, uh, two biggest emotional parasites. So, you know, couch that with that context. And it's like these emotional parasites, I'm going to talk about core beliefs, unaligned, unhelpful, maybe outdated using as soft of language as I can here, core beliefs, and then also shoulds. So those are the two I'm going to kind of walk you through. And Andrea is going to put me on the spot in a minute too. But so how do we get those? You know, where do they come from? Well, naturally from our environment, we're, we're linked to that. But also we come into this world ready to be attuned mm -hmm. to our surroundings. And that's a survival thing, you know? So mm -hmm. your nervous system is primed. Everything about you is primed when you're a baby to take in the programs that the peoples around you, the environment around you is running. Mm -hmm. And then that gets laid down very much like an operating system, right? So what we see in real time with people that have unhelpful core beliefs or, you know, they're guided a lot by external uh, factors or an external control is this pattern or operating system. And when they try to address it, it's almost like, you know, the path to delete something is, is control alt delete. They're trying to hit control alt shift, right? They're not working with the operating system that was laid down yeah. by their environment, which then influences the bioterrain. We know, we know that right going forward. Yeah. So, you know, what's an example of a core belief? It's that pattern that's run over and over again by your, you know, your, your mind, your thoughts and how do you really like identify what a core one is? That's what Andrea, you're going to talk me through. So, okay. So this is an example in real time. Andrea, your only job is to ask me, what does that mean to you? Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to start with I a can do thought. That. This is a thought that I had this morning. I didn't think this through, so I don't know where we're going to go with this, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. So I thought this morning, my time has shifted and I've I've had less time to spend preparing meals for my children. And the thought I had is 
this is really not good that I don't have the time or I'm not making the time to meal prep ahead of time for my kids. What does that mean to you? That means that I'm not maybe being as good of a mom as I, I want to be. And what does that mean to you? That my kids aren't eating well and it's going to impact them negatively. And what does that mean to you? If they're impacted negatively, that might mean that it's my fault and I've caused them harm. And what does that mean? If I've caused them harm, that's really painful for me, actually, you know, because it's something I want to avoid. And if I'm causing pain, it means maybe I'm carrying out some of the dysfunction that I grew up with. And so that are we we're landing at the spot of the true root of this parasitic thought. So for me, there's that outer layer, right? Like what it's producing. But the bottom layer is there's some dysfunction. So a core belief that I know I have is there's something broken in me. There's something wrong with me. And if you take it up a few layers, I'm going to, you know, harm people in my environment. So if you're someone that's like, well, I have no idea what's really underneath there. The question that you asked, which was, what does that mean to you? (laughs) Is the way to sort of drill down and figure that out. And then once you know what the parasite is for you, you can start to maybe shift, work on it a little bit with full respect to your journey and whether you want to lean in. Make sense? I love that. Absolutely. So we're talking about emotional parasites, Mm -hmm. getting to the root cause, just like we did the physiological stuff. And I can't say this enough that dealing with these mental emotional blockages, these trauma blockages will help the gut brain axis and the immune system to regulate itself Yes. to maybe even live in harmony with some of these issues that may be, be, may be asymptomatic. Like that random protozoan that's living in your microbiome, maybe it's causing irritation for you now because your immune system's so, it's like stressing an already stressed out system mm-hmm. versus dealing with these vagal nerve and somatic practices or clearing out, metabolizing stored, like doing an energy parasite cleanse. It's almost like mental charcoal. Yes. Mental mental binders, mental, emotional, spiritual binders and clearing them out. Yeah. And you can do it during the full moon. You know, the funny thing you're talking about all those full moon practices so often sometimes, and have you had this happen, Andrea, where you're more emotional around? Oh yes. A full moon. And you know, now I'm thinking about what that means in terms of parasites and all of that as well. But well, you do that not to get on a uh, Enneagram five historical thing, but that's where the term lunatic came from. Oh, that makes sense. With the full moon and people, the lunatic, uh, it was the parasites were more active at that time. Yeah. So it's a good time to capture your poop. And it's a good time, I think, to capture your thoughts and realize like maybe if you're having, you know, some mood swings, you can actually work and get into this core stuff. As I'm recording this episode, I'm in between consulting patients at the telehealth center. And I always make time to have my daily supplements. And in my stack, (laughs) it's not that many supplements, but in my core supplements that I take every day, it is a compound, a postbiotic compound that has some really exciting science around it. It's called urolithin A. Up until now, there really hasn't been any supplements on the market to support something called mitophagy, which is the flushing out of old damaged mitochondria. It's basically mitochondrial autophagy or the cellular recycling in our body. When I discovered this new compound called urolithin A, I was really intrigued. It's derived from pomegranates, but it's very difficult, nearly impossible 
to eat or drink enough pomegranate or pomegranate juice to get the scientifically proven therapeutic dose of this postbiotic neurolithin A. That's where a product called MitoPure, which I take every day from Timeline Nutrition comes in. They've created three unique ways to get your daily dose of 500 milligrams. That's what the research shows. 500 milligrams of your urolithin A in their product, MitoPure. They've got delicious vanilla protein powder that combines muscle building protein with the cellular energy of MitoPure. They also have a berry powder that easily mixes into smoothies or just about any drink. And finally, the soft gels for travel or anytime. Honestly, I take the soft gels most often. I really recommend their starter pack because you can try all three forms of MitoPure and see which one you like the best. It actually took 10 years of research to bring this potent product to the market, and I'm personally glad it did because it really, really works. Timeline is offering 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Go to timelinenutrition.com slash Will Cole. Use code Will Cole to get 10% off your order. That's T I M E. L-I-N-E-N-U-T-R-I-T-I-O-N.com slash Will Cole. That's TimelineNutrition.com slash Will Cole. I recommend trying their starter pack with all three formats. So how do you address it, really? What do we do? Awareness, repatterning. You need to either work with the operating system that you got, or you need to learn the correct steps, right? You actually need to hit Control-Alt-Delete. And that's where somatic work really comes into play. Healing experiences, like community experiences, can be really profound. Some people, like you're saying, are taking that under their own volition to do, you know, work with psychedelics and, mm -hmm. and use those practices as well. And it's a similar result that you see. Mm -hmm. So working with somebody through these core beliefs, unhelpful, unaligned, because listen, the belief you come by it honestly, but is it really aligned for where you are right now? And then like what Dr. Cole said, we're laying down the bio terrain. Mm -hmm. We're doing everything we can to support it at the same time. And then the second one is the shoulds. So these are, this is what I would call codependence. And again, I'm saying that with no judgment or, you know, around someone's story, because these are obviously things that I still have in my life as well. So codependent patterns, really things that put the drive, like people, something or someone outside of you is really more of the, in the driver's seat than you are. And these can be things that like you've internalized like rules or projected even onto others that it can express like, Dr. Cole, you should treat me this way because that's what I need, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm putting a should onto you and it's, it's a really a kind of codependent pattern because mm -hmm. I can request things from you, mm -hmm. but I can't really expect you to fix things for me. But that comes from our programming very early on yeah. too, that gets down there pretty deep. So those are, you know, and it impacts our expectations, our standards for ourselves, and then what we believe like our potentials are. Right. 100%. And so the, the symptoms that you can see is like a real drain in energy. If someone has this in their life, like they're guided by shoulds, I often see they, they seem frozen in time. So that can be a nervous system state thing, but I think it can actually just be an emotional thing too. You feel stuck. Sometimes it feels like they're, you talk to them and they're like living in a fog because they can't see clearly. I think mm -hmm. that's a really good sign that their, their life and the way they're acting is guided by something that doesn't come really from their true heart of hearts or their center or whatever mm -hmm. you would call it. Mm -hmm. So you're saying people that are guided by shoulds can be in this sort of space 
this dysregulated space. Yeah. And it leads to behaviors like really it's like this chronic, I call it the chronic scroll of self-improvement. You know, there's so much out there that's good, but I think when you have sort of this underlying should parasite, there's a drive to fix it, fix it, mm -hmm. fix it. And so you could just spend days looking at content that really is just telling you one more thing to do. Mm. And that's where I think, you know, really being able to upend this and looking at what your patterns are. This one I think is, is, is harder to like see it show up sometimes though, is when you have that veil of like perfectionism or standards of performance. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it can be like, Oh, well, I'm just trying to be a good mom. Like in my case, I told you, I'm yeah. really bummed out about this. Maybe I'm looking up 18 meal plans. Well, it's at what point is that is the problem that I ha don't have enough meal plans or is the problem that I'm not really acting in alignment with what I know is the truth of being a good mom? Mm -hmm. Little context yeah. there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not the thing. Like I always say it to patients, it's not the thing, it's the energy behind the thing. Yes. So it's like if you, you may need to make foods that love your kids back, but it's not like, is it coming from a frenetic, overwhelmed, lacking, I'm not enough, like more is always better or... Be just being consistent with what you know is good. Yeah. One of those, one of those paths yeah. is pro-inflammatory and one yes. is anti for yeah. sure. So a couple of things really quickly that you can do for this. Uh, the shoulds, I think self-compassion is number one, you know, Huge. get into the work of Kristen Neff and, and Chris Germer. They actually, so center for mindful self-compassion.org, I think has so many really cool research uh, resources research articles, really cool stuff there. It's a great place to start if you want to get into self-compassion more. And I talk about it in gut feelings too. Yeah. And really co-regulating with other people. I think when your wound or your parasite is around the shoulds, I think there's a lot of like, I can do it on my own comes with that. And I think really being able to lean into co-regulating practices, healing in groups, as much as you're willing to lean into that, mm -hmm. that can bring huge return on yeah. that vulnerability and that small investment. I see that a lot with the physiological and the mind body sides on the group calls. Yes. I was just talking about it this morning with a group of patients on, on the group, the concierge group call. And they said they many people don't even have any questions for me. They're just listening in and being part of that virtual community, which is very cathartic to co-regulate with people that are understand. Yeah. And for people that have autoimmune conditions and their core beliefs are around, you know, my body's broken or it's been broken for so long, or I've lost so much time, you know, that's a vulnerable space to enter into and sort of yeah. trust that other people understand. I, that's a big thing for our patients. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else, Andrea? No, I think that you have given us all the great equipment that we need to be successful. So we just gave you a functional medicine perspective on parasites, both physiological and metaphysical, metaphysical parasites. If you guys, well, before we go, we actually have a very intimate conversation we have with one of our telehealth patients to so check out for this conversation. If you want to learn more about our clinical work, the telehealth center, all the stuff we're talking about with telehealth patients, go to drwillcole.com. Now I'll kick it over to my conversation with one of our telehealth patients. Sarah, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey. Absolutely. Dr. Cole, I know everyone calls you Dr. Will, but I'm just... That's how I know you and I love you. And I'm just so grateful for you. And I'm just going to start with the deep stuff right off the bat because I 
feel like that's what serves women and all of your patients the most is just the the heart. And the heart of it is that you came into my life when I was really being misdiagnosed and gaslit and overlooked right in the middle of the pandemic. I knew something was wrong. I was going from a size four to a size 20 and I could really feel my life just slipping away. And everyone said, it's normal until I was diagnosed with sepsis. And that was a very scary word. And I felt like I was in the fight for my life. And you and the team stepped in and you said, it's going to be okay. And you're going to get through this. And there's going to be a day where you are vibrantly alive again. And those words have stayed with me. And I'm on the other side of it because of you and because of the team. And I'm just so grateful. And I feel like that's like, if anybody takes anything away from this conversation, that's it. Thank you so much. And, you know, I think that's I, the reason why we, we put these conversations out there, these real intimate conversations from real people that have gone through the stuff is first of all, to let people that you said, like, I'm on the other side of it. And for, to let people know that you can get to the other side of impossible, seemingly impossible, and it's not a quick fix and healing is certainly non-linear. So I don't want to over glamorize it and oversimplify it because it's, we're in the trenches. So yeah. can you go back and when you were at the height of these, what the world may call mystery illnesses or complex health issues, or what were some of the symptoms that maybe give people let them know, oh yeah, that's maybe something I'm going through and I'm, I'm not crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So it started with my not digesting food. And like I shared, I was a size four and I was having about a 10 inch difference in bloating from morning to night, which is abnormal. So I sought care with my OBGYN because I thought it could be endometriosis. And I had imaging done that showed there was a problem, but there was no follow-up inside of the medical system. But essentially it was fatigue, not digesting food, bloating, being very uncomfortable, brain fog, like my just not being able to have cognitive anything, cognitive processes, being able to have a conversation like this would with you would have been very difficult for me. And it progressed and got worse and worse to the point where I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't do life tasks just everyday life tasks. Mm -hmm. And we have four children. We homeschool. We're a military family. We live a very, you know, high speed life. Mm -hmm. And it was in having to slow down to honor my body that I realized these symptoms are not in my head. <laughs> They're real and I need real help. Do you remember, just, just like with most of our patients, you're, you are extremely savvy, you're well-read, you're erudite when it comes to wellness, you know more than most doctors do, frankly, when it comes to health and wellness. So we're not talking, like we were not your first rodeo when it comes to like your foray into nutrition yeah. and wellness and labs and medicine. So was there anything that was the most shocking or surprising or insightful or validating, whatever? What stood out to you, I guess, is a better, more succinct way of saying it on when we went over those initial labs, whatever you're comfortable with sharing. Absolutely. I think the first thing is that Sean and I knew that you were safe, that you were a safe landing place, that the team would care for me. We knew that there was 
just this this familial bond already from the beginning when you initially said, I think you might have a blockage and I think that may be causing problems. And I think all of this stems back to Lyme and mold. And that was actually before we even started formally working together. That was just on the consultation. And so being an intuitive myself, I knew, okay, (laughs) this guy, he's got it. And Sean recognized it in you as well. And so I think for me, that stood out first. And then when the labs confirmed it, and I had chatter from allopathic doctors saying, here's a long diagnostic list of what's wrong with you. And oh, by the way, you won't heal and you might die, or we're going to admit you to the hospital in the middle of COVID by yourself. Those were all very scary things. So to have a safe haven for us as a family that said, it doesn't have to be this way. That when I speak about you saving my life, like that's that point where it was pivotal for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I honestly, I want you to know how much it means to me. Like it's such a sacred responsibility to me and and the teams to be a part of your health journey and all of our patients' health journey. But it never, there's a weight to what you're saying that anybody that's in this work will know. Let's is not hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. Where people are up against very serious complex health issues in many cases, not everybody. But I mean, we're talking about things that really impact people's quality of life and in some cases can impact their life itself. So I want people to realize when you're dealing with complex issues, chronic infection issues or autoimmune problems, we're not talking about a walk through the park. I mean, this is heavy stuff in many cases. So your healing journey, I don't wanna make it sound too pretty. Right, it, it's not I'm, always pretty. It, let's talk it about the, <laughs> let's talk about the tough times. I want to talk about the tough times because that's part. That's being real. It it's just being real. It's these are not like gonna be like three day detoxed away. I mean, it's, we're no. talking about a life intervention. So yeah. let's talk about what do the trenches look like? Was it easier than you thought? Was it more difficult than you thought? What was it for you? So for me, the trenches for me because I knew I was at a place where it was like. I'm either going to go the allopathic route and I'm going to die. And just, that was the reality of how I was being treated. Or I can go this route. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very isolating. And I'm, I'm going to possibly hate it. <laughs> but I know that there will be this light at the end of the tunnel. And like you said, it's not linear. I've definitely had flare-ups. I've definitely had setbacks. But something I do want to speak to is that We're in a culture where it's not acceptable to love ourselves. It's not acceptable to have full acceptance of our human experience. And we're in a culture where we're we're receiving a lot of backlash for those choices. And I know that you know this and you've seen it and you speak on it often, but in the trenches, it really means being in love with the journey of caring for yourself. Like that's how I had to look at it was making my life a love letter to me. (laughs) to survive. Wow. That's a beautiful way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. So the things that you did for the protocol, that was your intention behind it. That's how you shifted your perspective, your paradigm towards one of self-respect, nourishment, not out of, you know, this isn't a chore, this isn't a restriction, this isn't a punishment. This is one to save my life. Yeah. And I I don't want to take it lightly. It was messy, right? I had IVs going in the house. We had, I wrote a living will at two o'clock in the morning one night. 
I was out of my body for days. I was in bed for months and I burned all of my businesses to the ground. I shut down everything that I did. I, I wrote a book in another life. I had a podcast. I had entire businesses and clients that relied on me. And I said, I can't do these things. I have to stop completely and I just have to survive. Mm -hmm. The protocol wasn't hard in the sense of like it being difficult to maintain. It's just, it gets in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Healing, especially in this culture, when we're really working on healing at a cellular level, it can get in our head as, well, what if this isn't even working? Mm -hmm. Maybe I should just go take all these antibiotics and, you know, prescriptions for the rest of my life. But I know that the dedication to the work, the dedication to self, it's transcendent. And I have not, I haven't been on any pharmaceuticals since that initial like kill phase with the sepsis. And I, I take great pride in that. I think that the, the protocols work. They're hard. They are a lifestyle. It's not a, a two-week thing. And then the only other thing I would say about the trenches is I got through it because of my family, because of you guys. I was isolated, but I also wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. well, that's a good way of putting it. And I think, like you said, like, and to be clear, we're not against pharmaceutical intervention. And you said when you had sepsis, you needed to be on antibiotics. And that is where conventional medicine really is needed. And it saves lives and uh, acute care is what we're talking about. When you talk about chronic care, that is the statistics speak for itself. The United States spends more on chronic healthcare than any other nation. Like I think more than the next 10 top spending countries combined. Yet, despite all that spending, we have the most chronic disease and the shortest lifespan of all industrialized nations. So I think those statistics, and that's the Journal of American Medical Association's own statistic on that. So mm -hmm. we're this isn't, you know, hyperbole when it comes to this, what we're talking about. Acute care, we excel at in many ways, but chronic care, what you were dealing with, uh, with these issues like fatigue and these mold toxicity and chronic mm -hmm. Lyme disease, we really fail a lot of people, sadly, because it's not gonna, it's not a quick fix. And I think that's you know, a round of one thing, at least medications is not gonna help a lot of people. A lot of people fall through the cracks of that sort of reductive, overgeneralized approach. So where are you at now? You, we kind of got glimpses of it. I mean, you said something very powerful. Your life was saved. But what does that look like for you? Where are you at now? So that looks like living a full, beautiful life every single day with my family. I'm up watching the sunrise every day, taking it in, walking, working out, swimming, dancing, singing, all of it. <laughs> These are things that I think we take for granted in our day-to-day -day life. The yeah. fact that we have the option to get up and watch the sunrise, I didn't have that option. I remember the day that Sean put our mattress on the floor of an upstairs bedroom just so I could see the sky. And like, that's how bad it was. And now I get to wake up and I get to walk outside and I get to see the sky for myself. <laughs> so I've also relaunched a business, but it's completely brand new and it's born from this place of rediscovering my divine light, not taking it for granted, being in an argument with the universe, if you will, that I knew I wasn't done here. Please let me stay. And 
saying, it doesn't matter what this body has to go through. It doesn't matter what I have to go through. I'm here to serve. Mm -hmm. So everything that I'm doing with women, especially mothers now, is serving at an energetic level and helping them design their life with this divine light in mind for every single area. And it was it was born out of this place of surviving. Yeah. Well, I think in many ways, you mentioned being in bed for months and not being able to get up. And what, in so many ways, is this is your rebirth. This is your metaphorical, but also in many ways, your life <laughs> rebirth. Yeah. Of you being able to, to share your passion with other people. When I see so many people, and you were in this position at some point, kept back from the things you were called to and the things you have passions for and the things you want to do even because yeah. you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually just aren't there yet. It's You're kept back from these health issues. So it's such a powerful, beautiful thing to see someone's light come back full force and being able to help other people. Very cool. Do you see it that way as sort of a rebirth as well? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is, like I said earlier, it's transcendent mm -hmm. and just this being able to, how do we make any suffering that we experience in the world service? Mm. And how, this how can is, you this transmute what was meant, you know, to use a biblical phrase, see what was meant for evil into good to, to al alchemize something like base mm -hmm. metal into precious gold. I think it's a beautiful way of, of seeing that your pain into purpose. Yes, absolutely. And I think if there, if anything can come out of my journey of this, of surviving and then thriving, my, my overall goal is just that people remember that this life force inside of them exists and that it's precious and that, you know, it can go at any time. So live every single day fully and Jomo always. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the patients know. Jomo's yeah. the way, the joy of missing out, guys. It's what we taught, teach the patients. So uh, yeah. I love that. And you live it. You live it. The joy of missing out and anti like the antithesis of FOMO culture and healthy boundaries with technology. And really, it's about learn coming home to yourself and living the life you want to live. How can people work with you? How can people learn about the work that you're doing now with people? So I just love that you asked that question. And I want to say thank you so much for that, that this is a space where not only do you celebrate the things that we've overcome, but you're celebrating what we're doing in the world and how we're serving people. So thank you for that opportunity. So I actually went through a name change too. I adopted the name Sarah Alora because Alora means God's pure light or sunray. And so they can work with the Alora Empress. Um, and anyway, I do calls, boxers, groups. I'm actually going to be standing up a energetic accountability group this summer where anyone who's going through a healing journey and they just want that extra conversation, it's not going to be health. I'm not giving any advice on that. It really will just be you're not alone and you're held in a sacred space. But I think the biggest thing that I'm most excited about is I'm doing one-on-one -on -one immersion retreats because I've been in a space that for true embodiment, which you know is healing, right? Healing is embodiment. But for true embodiment, we must be immersed in whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. So when it comes to healing, we become immersed in these protocols, right? Like we give our all and we do it every day and then it becomes a part of our life. And then we embody it. And there's this co-creation that happens in the mentorship world, but it also happens with you and your team. 
where you create an environment of immersion so that way we can embody, we can heal, and then we can continue on. So I'm doing one-on-one immersion retreats for women. They're very intimate. They're transformational. And it has been it has been the most profound work of my life. So cool. I mean, to see someone regain that light and want to share it with other people is just, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's like, if we're not keep, we're not keeping it, we shouldn't be keeping it to ourselves. We should be really imparting. There's so many people that need help. I, I know we're just scratching the surface of what the need out there really truly is. So thank you for being a part of the solution. So where can people go once again? What, the, is it social media? Is it a website? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yep. It's just sarahalora.com or they can follow me on the Allura Empress. It's on Instagram is where I hang out mostly, but I keep my DMs open. I really love to have touch points. Nobody's running anything for me. I let my team do the back office stuff. And then I'm always the touch points because again, I deeply believe in co-creating from the very beginning. Sarah, my friend, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. Just love you guys so much. Thank love you. Love you too. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.